a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And a good Sunday morning. It is your morning after podcast. Scott Gerard, Hans Olsen, Lloyd Cole, as we recap another busy weekend of college football. BYU rolls as we expect. Utah does as well. Utah State gets rolled by Boise State. We'll break it all down. And I guess first off, gentlemen, we probably need to start with a game that didn't involve any of the three teams. What happened to Oregon? Oregon loses, and now... Things look a little bit more precarious in the Pac-12. Hans, what you? How shocked were you to see the outcome of that game? I was blown away. I was blown away to watch Arizona State do that to Oregon, and I got to watch that game because we had we were surrounded by TVs. It was actually an amazing night. We had Oregon going, had the Jazz game, had Utah State, had. Had uh, Utah, it was it was crazy, but we all got laser focused on the end of that Oregon Arizona State game. And I'll tell you what, guys, Herbert could not throw it to his own guys in the second half of that game. That's a problem. There were I, th- I, I think he threw three picks, but there were literally six balls in the second half that should have been intercepted. And I don't know what he was seeing. I don't know what Arizona State was doing, but they were getting in front of those passes and they were grabbing interceptions and it was leading to scores. And then that Arizona State quarterback that we just saw flop and flail and was terrible against Utah, he threw for nearly 400 yards against Oregon. So, I don't know, man. It it just felt like I, I was sitting there thinking, man, this is so Pac-12. And then I watched Washington, Colorado, and Colorado finishes off Washington like the back end of a, of a turkey leg on Thanksgiving Day. And I'm thinking, what is this conference all about right now? It's just wacky. Well, and, and it just goes to show you how remarkable Utah has been because outside of that game against USC, they're not allowing teams – not only to challenge them and maybe get the upset, they're just dominating every single team they play, especially from a defense. Excuse me, especially from a defensive standpoint, they get another huge performance and route to a thirty-five to seven victory. How about how about uh, how about Zach Moss going off with uh, two hundred rushing yards? Like I think it was probably pretty close to dang near two hundred and forty overall. Um, yards overall with him that guy that guy ran surprisingly with, with, with how well he was running it I, I mean I expected that that game felt like it was it was 28-0 at halftime but yet you looked at it and it was only 14 I and mean, granted they, they they got stuff at the goal line they should have got they, they should have got that one in um but but 
Zach Moss was, as he has been all year long, uh, was was unbelievable. And, and Tyler Huntley was, I think he only had uh, maybe one incompletion by halftime, maybe two, if even that, uh, you know. Um, overall, I mean, he had, he had, I'm not sure what he was looking at on that interception that he had. That, I mean, that was his one real error. But but the game the, the game actually it, it it felt like they beat him by a lot more than than they did. And granted, you know, twenty eight points is still a lot, but but I mean they covered the twenty four, but it seemed like they beat him a lot worse than they did. Am I wrong? No. So Lloyd, the interception you're talking about, Kyle Whitting had right. addressed it afterwards, and he said it was a, a route mix up. And Frank actually broke it down in the post game, talking about where the defender was sitting in the end zone and right. talking about the position of the receiver. And he said, something was confused here because you don't put the ball, you don't run the route here or you don't put the ball here because that route tree was confused. And the first thing Kyle Whittingham addressed in the post game was the breakdown of the route. And it, so, it, it did look like a Tyler Huntley error. That, um, this year, last year, maybe Tyler Huntley makes that mistake and it's on Tyler Huntley. Something like that, but this year, yeah. Tyler Huntley doesn't. Yeah, I mean, his two interceptions this year are are plays that are actually exactly what like one another. I mean, right to the guy where you think there's probably some sort of some sort of error with the route. Well, I mean, that's how and, good he's been. <clears throat> a lot of the incomplete passes. I think. What did he have? Four incomplete yeah. last week. Well, yeah, four went back. Four incomplete last <laughs> week, and then. Uh, Technically, four. Uh, one of those being interception. Ball hit the ground only three right. times for Tyler Huntley. Unbelievable. And I, I went back and, you know, you look at the incomplete passes, and I think two of the four would drop balls, or maybe three of the four would drop balls. So he's putting it where it's supposed to be. And he was incredible last night. Zach Moss was incredible last night. And Arizona was outmatched. And Andy Ludwig is brilliant. I sent out this week yesterday and Scott and Lloyd do you guys remember going back to 2017 the three of us just sit around and just look at each other like how did Tyler Huntley have 24 carries in this game and then the next game 26 and then what did he have like 25 carries in that bowl game and and we're like how did he ended up with oh man I think it was 132 carries in 2017 through nine games. He's through 10 games this year, and he's got 60. So end up an extra game and less than half the carries, and look at his production jump, and look at his NFL hopes jump, and look at his wins and losses jump. And it's like, remember I used to just beat this drum of, why do you not develop an NFL-level quarterback that sits in a pocket, stays upright, stays healthy? Why do you got to have him rushing 20, yeah. 18, 20 times a game? And I think right. the brilliant thing that Ludwig has done is develop Huntley as a passing, healthy quarterback. And he, I mean, it, it was, I mean, last year, he's just, but he always looked to run. It was, it was, it felt like always he would look at one guy and see if he was open. If he wasn't open, it was like, okay, I'm running. I'm gone, and he just had happy feet. And but this year, this, he, he looks he looks uh, you know comfortable as to be in there. Um, it's 
you see him bounce around. He has a, he has great feel in the in the pocket. When he senses a little bit of pressure, it, he moves away from the pressure. It it's been you know, and he's always looking downfield. He's never looking to run. And then finally, when he when when that you know that timer goes off in his head, and then he's like, okay, I got to get out of here, you know, or something bad's going to happen. And that's when he you know that's when he scrambles. You know, the one thing that I've heard Andy Ludwig get a lot of credit for is that they've uh, is that he's been able to manipulate defenses so well that it hasn't made Tyler Huntley have to make a lot of decisions and uh, to where uh, guys are open guys are uh, they're scheming so well that Tyler Huntley, that first read is usually open and the second read is usually open and Tyler's done a better job even in route progression himself. But also, they've taken a lot of responsibility, uh, you know, a lot of the decision-making. They haven't loaded him up with decisions. They haven't loaded him up with a lot of different concepts. They've given him great plays, and they've schemed in such a way that Tyler Huntley, usually that first or second option, is available, it's open, and he's done a great job delivering it where it needs to be. And, I mean, it has been a beautiful relationship with Andy Ludwig, and and I, Andy deserves a ton of credit. Tyler deserves so, so much love for his development as a quarterback. Never in a million years did I think he'd get at this point in his career where he's such a dynamic passer, a playmaker, uh, and frankly, a, a uh, as accurate as he's been. He deserves all the accolades he's getting, but Andy Ludwig deserves a ton of love as well. What's, what, what's changed, hands real, real quick, sorry. What has changed with, with Andy Ludwig that has, is it just is it just growth as as an individual as he's as he's you know been at different places and and learned new things because let's I mean let's be honest we brought we brought up Andy Lid, Ludwig of two thousand eight you know or two thousand seven whatever in that in that frame granted they won a Sugar Bowl in two thousand eight but but where you were like mm-hmm. like what is that I mean I'm talking like you know a reverse at the one yard line those type of things and when we saw something similar to that I, you know I remember. Them being at the one yard line, I think it might have been their second game of the of the year, and they did like you know an end around, and and then you're kind of like, well, I don't need to, you know, you got Zach Moss, but it, you know, and it's worked like that. You know, there's there's something different, like his his amount of balance of run and hitting different players, you know, different receivers. I mean, using Keithy as a, as essentially as a running back. I mean that's a, that's a wrinkle we haven't seen, and that was that was a beautiful thing. He had two touchdowns on the ground. Um, I mean, what is it with Andy Ludwig that is that has uh, turned into what he is now? I think a lot of it's just experience, man, and it's it's reps and calling and experience, and and it's also confidence in a running back. And you can build and do so much when you've got a running back that you're confident with. <clears throat> if you take a look back at those years we were talking about 2017 you remember coming out of games and Tyler Hunt would have he would have more carries than Zach Moss and you're like wait what how did that happen then you go look and Zach Moss is pulling the ball out of Huntley's chest and you see Huntley take two steps and he's looking around like are you kidding me you just took the ball out of my chest again I think when I think when he came in talking about Andy Ludwig, I, I think he looked at the film and said, I've got a running back that can take it 25 times and give me 200 yards. I've got a quarterback, and I, I'm seeing mechanics that I can work with, put him in a pocket, and I can work off of this run game. So, but I think he felt like he had the pieces that he could work with, and then just has gone to work with it. And, and I do know he's a worker. The other thing is, he's used little wrinkles. Um, last week against UCLA, we saw Keithy score on that slip screen out of the bunch set. Right. 
where, where it basically just slips underneath those two interior uh, receivers. Well, now he takes Keithy, moves him to the other side, puts Simpkins at that position, runs the same slip screen, and you've got Arizona keying on Keithy in the red zone. And Simpkins just slips under, grabs that slip screen, and he's in for a touchdown. So he's just... I don't know, man. Like you watch shooters when they when they can't miss, and that they say the back the basket looks like it's five times wider than it usually is. And I feel like he's in the mode of what he has to work with, and he's using it all. And then I think teams are perplexed with what they can do. Arizona in the red zone, Scotty and Lloyd, they were moving eight and nine guys into the box. They they were they were doing everything they could to stop Moss and. You had Ludwig just working his magic off the edges. It was impressive. It was, man. And they they caught Arizona in a lot of slants, and they were using cutback lanes. And you could just tell that Ludwig had Arizona locked in. And now a Colorado team coming off this Washington win, it's going to be the same. They'll, they'll beat Colorado 38-7, to 38-3, to 38-nothing possibly. Mm. That's just what they're doing right now. Well, and, and they're going to need to as well because Oregon isn't certainly going to help them because now that Pac-12 championship game is going to feature Utah and Oregon with Oregon not at 11-1, and but most likely 10-2. and 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 now you're looking at a situation where if Utah loses that game, uh, Oregon's not going to the college football playoff, obviously. So that means Utah definitely has to beat Oregon. And uh, and has to frankly beat him convincingly to go in at twelve and one and make a case to the college football playoff. But that game now all of a sudden lost a little bit of its luster because of uh, of that Oregon loss. So now Utah certainly has to take care of business, and now they definitely have to beat Oregon in that Pac twelve championship game because the consolation prize in that game is now not the Rose Bowl for the University of Utah. They will, but this is my early prediction. Barring barring some sort of injury to Huntley, they will. I guarantee they will win by more than ten points. They will curb stomp Oregon. them. Yeah, they they will curb stomp. They. I'm sorry. You know what? You know what has always been Oregon's biggest Achilles' heel has been has been going up against a physical team. How many times have they struggled against like a Stanford? And I know we're getting ahead. They still, Utah still has Colorado, but they're they're going to curb stomp Colorado as well. Yeah, but. Utah, Utah is that. I mean, they're 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 that Stanford team, but with a with a more potent offense. They're that physical Stanford team that was so good that went into all those Rose Bowls, and 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 typically had their way. You know, was able to was uh, was able to beat Oregon. Oregon doesn't do all that great with with physical teams. Um, I mean, you know, they, they should have beat Auburn, and that's a, that's about as physical as you get right there. But there's something, but they didn't. Or Auburn doesn't have have the offense that that, that Utah has. I, they, they you know what they will win by by more than by more than two touchdowns by more than fourteen points. I guarantee it. I'm not even kidding. That's 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 how much confidence I think I have in this Utah team right now. Well, I, I don't and know how, if, how how soft I think Oregon is. I don't know if he said it on the air, off the air, hands, but uh, Ron McBride and he'd be. I'm fine sharing this because he would certainly say it on the air. Ron McBride told us uh, on Friday. He goes because we mentioned something about playing Oregon. He goes, "Oh, they'll destroy Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game." Uh, you know, Ron McBride is is very high on Utah, and this was before Oregon lost to Arizona State. He's not been impressed with Oregon, and he thinks he's been saying all along Utah's going to win that game. Yep, and I, I, I have no worries with that game. 
By the way, do we have any word on Brian Thompson? Yeah, Kyle Whittingham in the postgame says it's not serious. Not serious? Just an ankle sprain? Yeah. High ankle Uh, sprain surgery, he'll be back next week? No, he he didn't specify. It looked like it was a knee issue uh, because they were doing a knee stability test on him Mm -hmm. on the field. But Witt would have said he's done for the season. And when you look at you just got Colorado and then Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, it's not a, a lot of time left. So I think I think it must be fairly minor. And I'm hoping to see him back, at minimum, see him back for the Pac-12 championship. Game. All right, next up, I uh, did not have, well, I'll just uh, full... Uh, I'll admit it. I have not had a chance to see much out of the BYU game outside of highlights uh, with all the preparation and stuff for the uh, Utah State game. Um, but uh, I don't think I really need to see much out of that game. What was it, 49 nothing at halftime? And uh, BYU, yeah. BYU ends up rolling, as they should, against a really bad UMass team. BYU could have scored 90, could have scored 100 on that team had they wanted to. That's how bad UMass is. And BYU had a lot of injuries, and they were moving guys around yesterday, but didn't really matter when you play a team like that. And it was just uh, smooth sailing for the Cougars against uh, probably the worst team in FBS football right now. I want to get a picture. <laughs> JCW's on a table. You've got, don't call me Alex Kyle. You've got. Will Snowden. <laughs> no, I think you flip flopped that. Don't call me. Yeah, Kyle. you did. You did. It's real Kyle. I think you had real Kyle. <laughs> and, and me. And we had a, a little laptop with Flow Sports running. Somehow Kyle rigged it and got it up and running. And the three of us are kind of shoulder to shoulder packed <laughs> in trying to watch this BYU game. Well, all these people are coming through grabbing a JCW's burger, and I'm sitting there thinking, is this real life? Like, here we are in 2019, and I'm watching this on a portable computer, and I, and, and, and Kyle had to pay $30 for it. And, that, and I felt bad for him, but not really. Wait, you know, because, whoa. Hold on, hold on. You can't just gloss over that. You made Kyle you made, pay for it? You, no, you did not. That's like That's like seven hours of work for him. You did not. Oh, no. Stop it. Oh, no. So, anyways, we watched the BYU game on that <laughs> Hands no. computer. And you are the You're the worst. You are the worst. Can we not squabble over who paid for I'm what? I'm sorry. And the, the guy <laughs> works like 10 hours a week. <laughs> so he's... He's a good kid. He did it on his own, his his own time. He he took the initiative. That's he where you. Old. That's where you take out your car. You can know. I got this. Don't worry about it. I will, Kyle. I've got this. Oh boy. <laughs> what what if Amanda had went to pay? If you took Amanda out and she went to pay, you you wouldn't let her pay, would you? You would have said this is like say your first date. But said no, I got this. No, you wouldn't I, have made Amanda pay on the first day, would you? It just depends. I mean, it really just depends on the, the moment. You did make her pay on your first day. Oh, my God. No, I just didn't eat. And uh, <laughs> it was it was a Wallabies, and you guys had that arrangement, right? 
yeah, I did have a little bit of help here and there. I'm not gonna I'm, lie. I'm, dis- but, I'm disgusted by you right now, but let's get on to the game. I'm disgusted. That's, so man, we're going to need to discuss this on Monday. So have you guys, I, I want you to really think about this. Think about all your football viewing in your entire life. Have you ever seen a 42-point quarter? Um, I think Utah State may have had one last year. But that's, Did they have a four, They had a forty-two point quarter they, last year. They, they, I, I'm they, just trying to last I'm, year. Last year they were up. Uh, they scored fifty in the first half against New Mexico. They were plus fifty, and I. But I can't remember the quarter breakdown on that. I uh, was shocked by the level of inability of UMass in the second quarter, and then I was also very pleased with the execution guys they remember remember i said there was a couple things i wanted to see out of this umass game i wanted to see the pre-snap penalties and the post whistle penalties cut out they had one penalty for 10 yards in the first three quarters that game and then they put in the second string guys and they may have got one or two more but it was clean and that showed me that the coaches paid attention to that. I said I wanted to see a clean pocket, no inside beats, and the pocket was clean. There was no inside beats, great one-on-ones, and no mismanagement of, of assignments, no mental errors, which was really nice through the first three quarters. Um, I, I wanted to see good releases, good timing from Zach Wilson, and we saw it. I wanted to see uh, a sustained drive, and we saw it. So I just went right down the checklist, and I got to see everything I needed to see to feel confident that they're going to put up a very good fight against San Diego State. But this is going to be an evenly matched game, and it's going to be a dogfight, and they're going to have to show that heart they showed earlier in the season when they got a couple of overtime wins. San Diego State. Jackson. By the way, San Diego State wet the bed a little bit uh, on the road. They lost to Hawaii, so now Hawaii won, wins the division. And Hawaii, how about that? Hawaii will be playing Boise State in the Mountain West Conference what? Championship game. <laughs> What's more, Jack, the Mountain West Conference or the Pac-12? Oh, geez, such a that's crazy. And then. Boise, Boise might be your group of, and we'll talk about Boise here in a second. I think Boise still is laying claim to being your Mountain West. I mean, or your uh, your group of five team, and I think they're pro- they got a really good chance. They've got some work to do, and Memphis and Cincinnati might have something to say about that. But uh, but right now, you're looking at uh, Boise playing really well, and they will curb stomp Hawaii in that game. Hawaii's got to go to Boise in the middle in uh, early December. Yeah, no, that ain't that ain't gonna work well for him. Nope. So, but yeah, back to BYU. Uh, they just did everything you were expecting them to do, and uh, but to your point, they look good doing it. And uh, that's the most important thing is that there wasn't a letdown. There wasn't any of that. Uh, your first stringers not playing well, or or you know, like you know, little nitpicking things that you were able to point out against Idaho State. I didn't see a lot of that in that game against UMass. Correct. Yeah, that, and. That was exactly what I needed to see. And I mean, I saw a lot of youth. Um, I saw a lot of young guys who were getting looks and opportunities. And 
I was worried for a minute. Jackson McChesney, who is, I don't know, what is he, four-string running back? Yeah. And basically with the super down and Tyson Williams down and everything that's happened to that running back position, they've been using Jackson McChesney, and he went down hard and grabbed his knee, and it looked bad, and he limped off and couldn't put weight on it, and then he came back a few plays later and went for like a 35-yard run, and I was like, what just happened? Because it looked blown, and the next thing I know, he's on the field just uh, just going crazy. He may have some soreness. I hope he can be ready for San Diego State because Jackson McChesney looked really good, and you know, they, they've had to take Tyler Algier. Have you guys ever seen in a season, and you've seen a guy lead the team at tackles and then flip to the other side and lead a team in rushing yards? Because Algier has a chance to do that. He led the team in tackles against, I think it was Boise State. And now he's back at the running back position, having to carry a certain load for them. So, you know, you're just seeing guys do extraordinary things to try to keep this team afloat right now. Will had to be smiling ear from ear to ear with uh, Jackson McChesney going off for 228 yards and two touchdowns. Oh, yeah. No, he was, he, he was big on it. He's been big on him because uh, he's one of his guys. And so that was, that, was good. that was good to see him go off like that. Yeah, he was happy. And then last thing on the BYU game, I gave J.J. and Wigley a really tough time last week against Idaho State because there were some times he got bullied. So BYU was pushed all the way back to their own one-yard line. It was actually probably a foot-and-a-half-yard line. And J.J. and Louie, off the one technique, blew through on a fourth and a, fourth and a foot-and-a-half and goal and got a tackle for a loss and stopped the drive. So it was it was fun to see him have some good senior moments yesterday. He, he played much better against UMass, which was nice to see. So BYU gets that W, gets set for a big one against San Diego State. That San Diego State defense is, they're legit. That's a really, really good defense. That'll be a fun test to see how Zach Wilson does against that defense. And uh, they've got a middle linebacker hands, I'm sure, as you look at film coming up this week. Uh, kind of playing that old Lobo back, that same position Brian Erlacher played back in the day, uh, who I think is really, really good. And I'm curious, and I'm excited for you to get some eyes on him, see what you think out of him. But um, he's uh, he's a really good player, and, and this will be a good test for BYU in that offense. I, I think BYU should win. BYU's defense, I think, will look great because San Diego State's offense is not good, and their quarterback is... Um, as a uh, poverty-stricken Johnny Manziel, I can't even say a poor man's Johnny Manziel. He's just he he runs around and he'll make he'll make a, a decent play here and there with his feet, but for the most part, like poverty-stricken. <laughs> can't even see poor man. Like this guy is he's, he's been bankrupt. No, this guy is <laughs> this guy is a dude asking for change outside of a Maverick version of. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Sorry, too far. Oh, feel good, Scotty. You feel good about that? I'm just trying. I, to, I like, am excited. I'm excited to see a good matchup again for BYU. All right. Sorry, I may not have come out the way it should have. I apologize. That's all right. All right, and then uh, finally, Utah State. I mean, I 
I'm not going to lie. I, I did not see that coming. I thought they'd play much better. I thought they'd turn the corner defensively in Boise State. And it was just had that same feel of uh, of Air Force and, and BYU, uh, where defensively they were just a sieve. Um, Boise had a third-string quarterback who did not need to really throw the ball down the field. They uh, they gave they gave him a, a bunch of passing yards, but it was off of those fly sweeps where you just pitch it to your motion man who's coming in in motion that technically is labeled as a pass. Uh, but but Boise had over three hundred yards rushing, uh, and and Utah State couldn't stop. Just defensively, could not get stops, uh, and and offensively um, after uh, Jordan Love threw another pick six, it was just. Uh, it was a rough night, and and again, it was just one of those performances. Hands, you and I were texting back and forth. In a big game like that, when you've got a lot on the line, a chance to share a division title, and and you go out and have a performance like that, it's just a bit of a head-scratcher. Like, I just I can't wrap my brain around why that team played as poorly yeah. as they did last night. It was crazy because there, there was a minute there in the first quarter oh, yeah. where it was basically back-to-back catches, uh, one by Tompkins that was, I don't know, man. I, it was two of the most brilliant catches I've seen. I actually had to send a tweet. It, it, I think it was Devin Tompkins trapped the football between the defender's arm and his hand and came down with it, kept it off the ground for like a 47-yard gain. And then Caleb Rep in the end zone reaches up with the offhand, the backside offhand, and one hand the catch and touches a toe down. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, Utah State, man, here they come. And then that was it. They just flatlined. And yeah. it, was, it was really troubling to see the pressure. It was troubling to see Love hold on to the ball as long as he was holding on to it. I felt like his, he wanted to be patient, but his delivery wasn't crisp. It wasn't coming out quick. He was spending too much time in the pocket, which then created pressure. And then the run game fell flat that was so reliable early on in the season. And it was a it was a cluster to watch that game. Yep, that's Def, definitely thought they'd have a better better uh, showing. You know, wasn't sure if they were going to be able to you know to beat Boise because Boise Boise so tough. But at home, like you, you got to have a you got to have a little bit better showing. You know, defensively. Yeah. And, and by that way, that, that 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 catch, that touchdown catch, that made it on that that went that went national. I think it was on uh, I think it was on ESPN. You know NFL show or whatever, and you got the you got Moss. I think it's one of Randy Moss's little things that he does or whatever. But um, that that catch got got some some national attention. That was an unbelievable catch. But but that's that definitely a disappointing uh, performance for 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 Utah State's defense. You know, with so much on the line, I would have thought there would have been just a little bit more fire there. Yeah. Well, they look. They get a chance to um, they get a chance to go to New Mexico next week. That'll be probably another W that gives them seven on the regular season uh, and then potentially eight with a bowl game. And so there's, uh, you know, there's still some games to be played for Utah state, but you know, look, it's, we knew it was going to be a bit of a season of transition. I think uh, this offensive line, I mean, you had your third string right tackle going up against Curtis Weaver and hands. There were, there were probably about three or four plays where he didn't even get a hand on him. I mean, it was just yeah, and it was bad. I, I saw those. I saw those plays, Scotty. They they were running some good stunts too. They knew that they could confuse him, and they were putting Weaver wide, and they were running their three technique out across that freshman that freshman's face. 
and bringing Weaver on kind of a loop stunt. And those plays, some of those ones where they didn't get a hand on them, it was well-scripted stunt to take advantage of a, a young kid. So, Scotty, are you telling me in this game there was a defensive touchdown for Boise State? There was a special teams touchdown yep. for Boise State? They, and that's frustrating. They, uh, yeah, they hit for the cycle. And uh, Utah State knew they had to be perfect in – well, not perfect, but they had to be great in offense, defense, and special teams. And, and frankly, all three areas really let them down in that game. And it was uh, it was unfortunate to watch. There's no doubt about it. So – Utah State licking their wounds a little bit. Only their second uh, conference loss, but uh, but that uh, means that uh, their bowl games probably options probably took a little bit of a hit on that one. And uh, who knows, Hans? You may be uh, you and I may be up in Boise calling a game for uh, for Utah State in the Potato Bowl coming up in uh, early January. It might be fun for the show, well, though. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't hate that at all. I'd love to go back to Boise and call that bowl game and have Utah State in it. It would be entertaining for me, and it would be nice for Sam and Logan to get up to that bowl game. It's close, convenient. It's easy. I think they do a great job with it, Scotty. I, I think do, too. Last. Um, I, I also I wanted to give a shout-out to Weber State, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, you see Montana. Montana State took care of Montana. Weber State destroyed Idaho State. How did, way, you called the Montana State win over Montana, and Montana State boat raced them, like 47 to 14 or something. Um, so it took care of them. And Jay Hill is this uh, third year in a row, grabs at least a share of the Big Sky title. I was looking at this. They have not lost a regular season home game since October of 2017. Wow. That's and that's yeah, awesome. it, it's dominant, man. He's, he's turned things around and I'm really proud of, of that Weber state team. Really happy for Jay and that assistant staff. There's some really good guys there, uh, including Dave Schramm who came in to coordinate and he's just a, he's a great coach, great guy, Joe Dale, a couple of other former Utah guys, a Ganther is up there and they've put out a fantastic product. And I was really happy to see them get a share of that big sky title. Yeah. And, and by the way, what Jay's done at Weber state and the building project that he had to go through, uh, to get that program back up, uh, you know, Jerry Bovey with a smart hire and bringing him in and then allowing him to do his thing. And he's been great and back to back to back, at least a share of the conference title. It's just remarkable. And, uh, again, cannot be more happy for them and, and more happy for, uh, th- that that crew up there, and uh, they'll be in the playoffs, and I think they'll do some damage once they get there in that FCS playoff run. I hope so. Yep. All right, gentlemen, that wraps it up. Another edition of your morning after podcast. Hans Olson, Scott Gerard, and Lloyd Cole, and uh, we'll do it all again tomorrow. Remember, show kicks off at noon. We will uh, break it all down for you. Uh, you'll also hear from Kalani Sataki. You'll hear from uh, Kyle Whittingham. Show kicks off at noon. Hands and Scotty, Lloyd Cole. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and 1280thezone.com.